everyone, welcome to Chewing the Fat. Tonight we have an amazing guest, Rob Berg, the president of the Zionist Federation of New Zealand. Rob was born and raised in London where he had a long association with Jewish youth movements and communities. He's a graduate of, you're going to have to help with this one, Mashon. Mashon Lamajachai Chutzlaaretz, which is the Institute for Youth Leaders from Abroad. Okay. <laughs> I was way off. <laughs> Um, lived in Israel for two years, uh, spending one year in the Israeli Defense Force. He's worked for several Jewish institutes over the years and moved to New Zealand in 2007 and became the president of ZFNZ in 2015. Yep. That's all right. Yep, that's um, the Federation's aim is to work with the community to sustain Jewish identity. That was on the website, actually. I found that. Reinforcing relationships with Israel and to foster a positive understanding of Israel and Zionism. Welcome. Thank you. So, I guess we'll just start with the biggest, most obvious question, or most obvious thing that comes to mind. But um, to jump right at the deep end as well, what do you personally believe the perception of Zionism is in New Zealand? Um, look, it, it, it depends on... on what's who you're asking and stuff but i as a general view i think the perception of of zionism um is is a negative one um i think that a lot of the time all that is seen around zionism is when um when it is portrayed in a bad light or when you know there's stuff going on in israel when often when there's escalation of of events um and it's in those occasions where where i think that people sort of see zionism in a way that the media is portraying it, and not not really what its actually essence is. What 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 is that? What what is? How do you feel the media portrays Zionism in Israel, in New Zealand? Um, so it it's it certainly portrays it in a in my view in a negative way, and it's quite biased. So it often will have very misleading headlines. So even at the moment, and this is not just exclusive to New Zealand, you know, you can see this across the media, especially as a lot of New Zealand press is gone, is taken from the BBC or Associated Press or whatever. Um, so, so for example, with the escalation of violence that's going on at the moment with, with Palestinians stabbing Israeli citizens, um, and you'll have, you know, even when that results in deaths of Israelis and the death of the Palestinian, you'll often have headlines such as Palestinian killed by Israeli troops. And it won't talk about the fact that the, the Palestinian, the death of the Palestinian was in response to them attacking a citizen on, on the streets and stuff. So it, it, it's very skewed in the way it, it, uh, it, it, head, it headlines. Um, it very rarely will give a, an Israeli perspective. And, and very often, particularly like document, documentaries and stuff, it will always tend to give an extreme Israeli view. And even in, in New Zealand, um, we had a Palestinian guy come over to New Zealand who was very critical of the Palestinian Authority and absolutely no media wanted to speak to him, not through lack of trying. And he even had a couple of events that universities cancelled. His comment to me was, he's never experienced that in any other country. Everywhere else he goes around the world and he, he speaks on Sky TV and he talks to, to press over there. But no one in the media was willing to, to listen to what he said. You can only assume that it's because it didn't fit into the narrative that the media wanted to, to give. Are you kind of saying that New Zealand's are perhaps more anti-Zion than other, say, similar countries? 
Um, it's difficult to know because I'm not in other countries. Right. Um, you know, I have a lot of friends back in the UK and, and, you know, similar sort of things there. But as I say, his experience, and I, and I can only say from his experience, was that in other countries he's been to, States, Australia, Europe, um, he, he does get to talk to media. Um, but in New Zealand, that wasn't the case. Why that is, one can only speculate. Yeah, well, that's the, qu that's the next question, isn't it? Why, why do you think it is? Why do you think... I'm mean, sort of jumping around a little bit, but... Um, <laughs> Why do you think um, the there is, in in your opinion, um, I don't know whether it's less or more, but like a certain anti-Zionist, anti-Israel stance? Uh, I, I think it's because the the narrative that the media, traditionally media people involved in media, and this is a generalist statement, but traditionally people involved in media are left wing, right, and. There has certainly been a move over the last, I would say, five to ten years, globally on the left wing, um, to actually become more hostile towards Israel, and that that's seen absolutely in the UK, particularly with the, you know, the recent election of Jeremy Corbyn as the leader of the, of the Labour Party, with stuff we've seen at the in the Oxford Union of um, Oxford University Labour Union, um, and and I think that 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 does filter into the media and I, and I guess over here they're just not they don't see it as a as a story they don't see it as perhaps things that people are interested in um, as I say they give a very a very one-sided view and I suppose it doesn't fit with what they they want to, to portray or maybe it was just the time he was here it just wasn't newsworthy to them I, I don't know you know it could be generous we'll come back to the to that stuff though um, just to kind of keep um, on with what the Federation does. Sure. Um, so, in your opinion, does... Is, wait, hang on, I'm going to jump forward a little bit. No, I have. I've totally jumped forward. That's all right. In your, <laughs> in your opinion, does um, the Israeli identity that you promote include Zionism? Jewish Sorry, Jewish identity <laughs> yeah. include Zionism, or are the two separate? I think for most Jewish people... Um, Zionism is an absolute integral part of modern-day Jewish identity. There are, without a doubt, elements of, of the Jewish community who are not pro-Zionist. There's particularly some very ultra-Orthodox religious sects, such as Notori Kata, that are very vermently anti-Zionist. Um, and there are elements within the community, who might, small elements, who, um, who, who, who are against... I would say not so against Israel, but perhaps against the Israeli government, and, and that's probably sometimes where there is a confusion. But in terms of Jewish identity, what, what we do is, I mean, you know, Judaism means different things, and being Jewish is, means different things for different people. But essentially what, essentially what we try and do is we try and promote events where the community, particularly young community, can, can feel a connection to their history, to their culture, that we, we hope that we make people feel proud of being Jewish and, and don't feel that it's something they need to hide. Um, we try and create a sense of belonging to the community and, and also to try and sort of make people feel actually proud about the, the, the contribution that the Jewish community in New Zealand has, has made to, to New Zealand. Um, you know, we are a small community and, you know, we, we have made perhaps contributions then above proportionally what you would expect 
And obviously, there is an element that is absolutely about filling that connection to Israel. That's interesting, yeah. So on your website, it says that the Zionist Federation has members that represent all parts of the political spectrum of Israel or in Israel. Um, What kind of different perspectives do you guys have within the Federation? Right. So what you have to bear in mind is in Israel, what distinguishes left and right wing politics is not socialist versus capitalist. Um, It tends to be, um, well, traditionally it's tended to be more around um, the views of the peace process. So on the extreme left, you'll have those groups that, um, that you know, absolutely will say let, we need to go back to the 1967 um, armistice lines, or what's known as the Green Line. The other extent of that, you'll have those that say, no, it's greater Israel, it all belongs to Israel. And like in any group, you know, like with, with the Maori politics here, you'll have some elements that are extreme on both sides. But the majority of people sit in the middle um, who absolutely recognise that there's a need for a two-state solution um, and want to see a peaceful resolution to, to the conflict. And I would say most people in the community fit, fit within that. Um, again, within there, there'll be some who are more aligned to the Labour Party and there'll some who'll be more aligned to, to Netanyahu's Likud Party. Um, but most people probably do fit in that centre, which is advocating for, for peace. Just a random question that's popped into my sure. head. I, I'm aware of the fact that if you have Jewish heritage, you're eligible for citizenship in Israel. Is that correct? Um, so, yes. So, so what? It's, it's Israel was was formed after the Second World War. Although the problem with the, the misdemeanor is often that people believe that Israel was formed as a result of the Holocaust, which is incorrect. Um, there's a strong argument to say that the Second World War actually delayed the creation of Israel because the community or the Jewish people were already starting to build up a huge infrastructure um, and, and, and the war delayed that continuing. Um, however, as a result of the, the law, Israel wanted to make sure that should anything like the Holocaust ever happen again, that no Jew, because during the Holocaust, Jews were, before the Holocaust really started to happen, um, before the war, outbreak of war, Jews were able to leave Germany. The problem was there were very, very few countries that would let them in. So as a result of that, they, they were stuck in Eastern Europe and, and Europe, and, and hence they got caught up in the Holocaust. So Israel has what's called the, the law of return, which defines itself, unfortunately, a little bit on the definition that the Nazis gave for being a Jew, which is if you have one, um, at least one grandparent who was Jewish, so anyone who has a, at least one grandparent who is Jewish is entitled to Israeli citizenship um, on the basis that, that, God forbid, if there was ever something like that again, that no one would be turned away right. from Israel. And that, and that could be, you could be a practicing Christian, you could have converted to Islam, or, or whatever the case may be, you could be completely anti-Jewish, or you may have no Jewish you know, practice or, or affiliation, um, but if you have that, that one grandparent, then, then you're allowed to go back. And if you are entitled to Israeli citizenship, does that mean you're entitled to vote? Yeah, yeah. Even... I mean, like, like in, like, yeah, I mean, like here, I, I am a permanent resident here and I have been for seven years. I have the right to vote. It's no different. Okay, so 
can I, is this, like, I'm, I'm just sort of, if you were, say, um, say you grew up in America, yeah. and you were Jewish, and then you gained Israeli citizenship, you can grab dual citizenship, yeah. and, but you still lived in America, there'd be a few people who do that, right? Possibly, yeah. They're still eligible to vote in no, Israel? No, no. So I have dual citizenship, I have British citizenship, and I have Israeli citizenship. Um, even people, to vote in Israeli elections, you have to be living in Israel. Unless you are an embassy, like you're serving for the government outside of Israel, like in the, as an embassy official or a military attaché, then you can vote. But if you're, even if you're away on a holiday or on business, you are not entitled to vote. You have to be physically in the land to vote. That's interesting. Unlike, for example, Australia, yeah. where if, even if you're outside of Australia, and even if you're living somewhere else, you legally have to vote in the Australian election. Yeah, so it's what, the complete opposite. Did they just, I'm kind of fascinated by this. Just one more quick question. Why is that? Do you I know? have no idea. Okay. I That's have no idea. Kind of ends it nice and easily. Um, yeah, so w within the sort of the, the, the broad political spectrum that the, um, the Zionist Federation might fall yeah. under, is there any, you know, much like this sort of conflict within sort of wider mainstream sort of New Zealand? there's you know a bit of give and take in terms of like what might be considered conflict between um the takeover all of israel versus the two-state solution is there any sort of internal conflict within the federation around how that that plays out not really um i think that um i, I think that you know there is a a discussions to be had and and we do try and encourage discussions and you know i think like with any argument um, the importance is understanding where the other people's argument is, is for and, and, and why their belief is that and, and sort of having that dialogue. Um, I, I think even though those people who perhaps are more right-wing, in terms of Israeli right-wing, um, still recognise that, um, you know, that, that there needs to be a two-state solution, um, but how that may pan out may be different for them or it may be that you know that they feel that at the moment that's a very difficult situation because of what's going on in the greater environment in the Middle East um, you know there, there are some a minority maybe like a very very small minority that, that perhaps still cling to the the idea of Jordan is, is Palestine hmm. um, which dates back to the Palestinian mandate British mandate where you had Jordan and trans or Palestine and trans Jordan um, but but really that's a small minority as I say we don't really have that it's not really a cause of tension so disregarding sort of Zionism in, in New Zealand and what you probably deal with a lot of um, being being the president of the Federation um, what's the current situation like <clears throat> regarding Zionism? Um, so I think that many people are, are, are openly, um, I'm trying to think of the right word, are, are very um, cautious about openly admitting that they're a Zionist um, because it does have, it has now become um, in the mainstream media and, and the mainstream sort of interpretation, it, it, it's seen as a bad thing and, and you know, people don't really want to put themselves in, in, the, in the line of fire. So there is a nervousness about being identified as, as people saying they're, they're a Zionist. Um, and, you know, that, that's, 
there's there's reason behind that and and um especially for young people that don't have a lot of confidence and don't necessarily have the background and knowledge and and then when you see things um that have happened in New Zealand recently even to the extent that um you know we we had um during the Gaza conflict in 2014 we had someone who was walking home from um, from the school in Grey's Ave to their house in not far from here actually um, and someone got out of a car and they were a young kid and had their, their kippah, their skull cap and physically abused them and, and, and hit the child and, and stuff um, we've had billboards of John Key were, were defaced with anti-semitic graffiti not just one but quite a few during the last election um, we have to have security on our schools um, and so, so people are, are, are nervous because whilst I wouldn't say New Zealand is anywhere near the stage it is in Europe at the moment which, which is very concerning, um, people are still nervous about being identified as, as, as being Jewish and, and being identified as being um, pro-Israel. Because I mean there's a lot of things in that just really really quickly but there's a lot of things in that between, say, identifying as Jewish, Zionist, pro-Israel. And I know I've got a question later on in the track, yeah. but I'm going to ask it now just to sort of like clarify things a little bit. Are they synonymous or are they different? Is one, can you be, I mean, I see sort of like... Thank you, buddy. Um... But are they are they interchangeable? Is it if you are if you are Jewish, you are definitely Zionist? Da, 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 da. Like, does it? I guess what I'm saying is like regarding Zionism, is this basically a path to anti-Semitism, and vice versa? Um. So as I said earlier, there are Jewish people who are not Zionists and and are anti-Zionists, and there are some who probably haven't really given much thought to where they stand on 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 the question of Zionism. I think the words Zionism and pro-Israel are pretty much interchangeable, um, but I certainly wouldn't say Zionism and Judaism. However, as I said earlier, the majority of, of Jewish people, um, certainly that I know, and I know quite a few Jewish people, both in, in here and in UK and stuff, you know, Israel forms quite a central part of people's identity. And not only that, you know, you may have people who are completely secular Jews, you may have Orthodox Jews, modern Orthodox, you may have Reformed Jews, all that have their different sort of ideological differences, and you may even have atheistic Jews. Um, but actually the one thing, apart from that, obviously a shared history and culture, the one thing in, that, that formulates their modern identity is, is their, um, their, their identity and, and, and affiliation to Israel. Right, okay. So I guess... In a sense, it's what you're saying is there's been kind of almost an increase in anti-Semitism along with anti-Zionism. Yeah, look, um, there, there definitely is a connection between the, between the two, and I, and I think it's it's um, I think it's really important to to state that being critical of the Israeli government, whether it be a right-wing government or a left-wing government, whatever it is, is perfectly legitimate just as being critical of a New Zealand government, a UK government, of American government is, is legitimate. Um, 
Israel is a democracy, and, and by virtue of a democracy, it, it's open to, to criticism, both from within and, and from without. So I don't have any problems with people being critical of, of government policy. However, when it comes to questioning the rights of, of the Jews, Jewish people's connection, both religiously and historically, to Israel, and denying Jews self-determination in that area, in, in, in that stuff, um, then I think we're bordering on anti-Semitism. When, when um, you know, when, when people question the rights of of Jews to live and self-govern, but yet, th and they focus on Israel, but they don't focus on other things that are going on in the world, such as in China or Afghanistan or Libya or North Korea or Saudi Arabia. Then again, I think for me it borders on on anti-Semitism, and even to the extent where, um, you know, in in the we have um, we have examples of even in New Zealand when there was demonstration in Queen Street during the 2014 um, Gaza conflict, pro-Palestinian demonstration, where we had someone walking down Queen Street and apologies for swearing, um, with a banner saying, um, and I'm trying to sort of find the quote, um, the banner was saying, um, "Cut off those fucking Jews' heads." Not Israeli. But Jews, um, so you know th these are things that, that that we have to to put up with it the whole time. And then you know we'll we'll have magazines. There's one magazine out there in particular called Uncensored, which is a conspiracy magazine. It, it is the most blatant anti-Semitic magazine I've ever come across. It, it perpetuates every single form of anti anti-Semitism there is. Um, that's not anti-Zionism, that's not being critical of Israel, that, that is pure anti-Semitism. Okay, that's <laughs> pretty intense. I'm going to come back to that stuff in a little bit, is that alright? Yeah. Um, so, because a rising tide of anti-Zionism, let's just put it that way, um, there might be something that's in that. Like, I read an inter interesting article um, by Haritz arguing the decline of Zionism in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, this guy David Zwartz says yeah. that schools and newspapers have been closed down. More generally, Jews aren't advocating for Zionism. Do you think this is the case, and why? Um, why not? So, I um, David Schwartz has a, a you know is a New Zealand-born um, man, and you know in his sort of sixties or seventies, and I can't remember his age. Um, Older gentleman, yeah. And uh, he obviously has a much longer historical um, connection or, or involvement than I do with New Zealand. I think he was misquoted a little bit, and his his quotes um, were taken a little bit out of context, as, as often is the case. Um, it's true that the school in Wellington, the Jewish school, has closed. Um, why that's happened? I mean, that there has been people. Probably the community is, is smaller now than it was. Um, I mean, if you look at most diaspora communities they have I mean even the English community when I Jewish community when I was there growing up the community was around 330,000 Jewish people it's now around 230,000 and that's because a lot of people have gone to live in Israel or they may have gone to other countries and you know and the same has happened here in New Zealand even in the seven years I or nine years I've been here I've seen a lot more people that I've noticed leave than Jewish people than, than come into the community um, so I think it's more of a question of, of just pure demographics rather than 
a feeling of, of identity with, with Judaism. And also, you know, to, to run a school takes a lot of capital and a lot of resources. And, you know, the, the community just, I guess, couldn't, couldn't fund that. So I don't see that there's been a decline in, in Jewish identity. Um, I think there has been a decline in advocacy for, for Israel and Zionism, partly because I think people feel very, um, very un don't feel confident in, in standing up to some of the um, criticisms that are out there and some of the blatant lies and anti-Semitism that we have to face. And so sometimes it's better just to say nothing. And, and so I think that has been a bit of a struggle. Well, that's, meant, that's sort of my next question is, um, have you or have you men with members ever been subject to anti-Zionist or anti-Semitic abuse? And you've just said that they have. Yeah. Um, and, and in the UK, you know, I, I, I personally experienced lots of, lots of anti-Semitism. Um, I know we're not talking about the UK. No, but, yeah, but, for sure. You know, um, growing up in the UK, um, we had... So you can often identify a Jewish house because we have a little, um, what's called a mezuzah on our, on our door. I remember as a seven-year-old having, um, there was a national front meeting around the corner from where we lived and having people sort of come to our door. Um, unfortunately, my parents happened to, happened to be out that day. Um, my brother was babysitting and they were standing there with broken bottles and knives wanting to come into our house. Um, I've had people shout out things to me because um, I used to wear a skull cap, a kippah. Um, I've had someone when I was working in a pub who found out I was Jewish um, said to me, oh, shame Hitler didn't complete the job, um, and various other things. So, yeah, we and, and even my daughter, and, and I've just been doing some work with um, some Jewish youth who, who are about to go to Poland to, to visit some of the, the, the camps out, out there. Um, and they, they get it in school. My daughter's had someone do a hard hit sign to her when they found out she was Jewish. Um, others, you know, make jokes here and there and stuff, and it's, it's, you know, it's just banter and stuff. But we also know of someone in um, Nelson who, who suffered quite a lot of anti-Semitic abuse at her school. So it, it, it's there. It's there, and, and it's, it's never far from our minds. Wallace Chapman. So Wallace Chapman from Radio New Zealand breached the Broadcasting Standards Authority for what's been called anti-Israeli bias in two shows he did during the Israeli-Gaza war in 2014. Um, you've, you've spoken about like the media's bias. Um, what would you consider to be anti-Israeli bias? I think the biggest... Um criticism we, we have as a community is that very often we'll we'll see or hear radio interviews where someone will come on and make the most outlandish statements um, and generalizations and they're not challenged and for, for me if you are a journalist and you want to um, you want to give balance to a to an article or a piece of journalism you're doing, whether that be written journalism or whether that be a, a radio interview such as this, mm. um, you know, I think it's it's really important that that journalist a does a bit of research, but b actually is prepared to challenge the person they're interviewing, and that was the case with with I think um, 
um, Wallace Chapman. Um, there was a recently an interview that Radio New Zealand did with Hanan Ashawi, which again was uh, allowed her pretty much half an hour to say some of the most outlandish and, and in, in my opinion, outright lies. Um, and whether or not the interviewer knew they were lies, they just went unchallenged. And so I think that we see that a lot when it comes to Israel. And as I said before, even when we've had a Palestinian who, because he is not given the narrative that that is the one that, that is out there a lot, um, isn't given the opportunity to, to go onto radio. Um, and so, so I think it's it's about the story and what's being portrayed as actually just being a very, very one-sided view and the other side really not being given an opportunity to, to counter that. Every so often, yeah. you know, we'll, you know, you'll get a phone call or you'll get a, an email or something and say, oh, have you seen this in the Herald or have you seen this online? It's a really good piece and, and, and stuff. Um, but but they're, they're the rare occasions. Do you feel as though, okay, if there was an interview that you did that was just sort of putting sort of like, you know, your stake in the ground saying, all right, this is what we're up to, the Zionist Federation of, of New Zealand, um, and the interviewer didn't necessarily challenge you, would you see that as being anti-Palestinian? Um, it, it depends on what the questions were and how they how they were. I mean... Um, just to sort of like break down that really civil dichotomy of... Look, I, I think as a journalist, I'm not a journalist, but I think as a journalist's responsibility, you either have to do one or two things. You either, if you're going to give someone the opportunity to, um, to, to talk unchallenged, then in order to create balance, you should give someone on the other side the, the same opportunity and hope, obviously, then that you have the same, primarily the same readership or, or listeners who, who will hear both sides of the story. So I, again, I think it depends on the context. So if I was invited onto a show, for example, to, to counter something that someone has said the day before, um, then no, I, I, I wouldn't see it in that light. But if I was asked on a show, you know, and, and, but I, you know, the truth is I, I probably wouldn't spout the talk in the same way that, that some of these people do. And so, you know, I'm not saying I'm holier than holy, but but I just think I'd give it a different approach. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I would expect to be challenged if, if you didn't agree with, with what I was saying. So, um, have you ever been on any mainstream um, sort of websites no, we, or radio shows? Or so, the only media? time um, I have personally, um, I'm trying to think what it was. Um, I think it was towards the end of last year where there was the flotilla to Gaza that um, was, was sponsored by Cura Gaza and um, was covered by uh, Maori TV sent someone on, on the ship and um, on their native uh, affairs programme yeah. they had um, a panel discussion which was incredibly, incredibly biased. It, it was... It was awful. In fact, the only person who really showed any ability to question and challenge what was being said was Winston Peters. Um, the other people on there were just... It, it was a horrible show. To be fair to Maori TV, they then asked 
got in contact with me and they they interviewed me for a quick news segment and it was like a second like a sentence that got put on that's all right kill my phone sorry to go away um so i was interviewed very quickly as a response to that um and and to about the flotilla itself not not that particular program and then a couple of weeks later they had they did a another native affair program where they had someone from the jewish council on um, and someone from Cura Gaza, and, and they had a, a bit of a debate that, 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 that went on. Outside of that, I have to say it's very, very rare. So, so thank you for giving me the opportunity <laughs> to, uh, no to at least counterbalance some of the, um, the narrative that is out there. Oh, is this what it's all about? Um, so how do you feel about Murray McCulley's proposed two-set solution, and more broadly the government's approach to Israel? Do... Does the government share the same perspective as um, the Zionist Federation, or do you sort of advocate for something slightly different? Um, I think the answer is a yes and a no. It's, it's not a straight, straightforward answer. So this government um, advocates a two-state solution, and, and you know the Zionist Federation is not a political organisation. I know people might find that strange because Zionism is is seen by the wider community or the wider population as a, as a political movement. Um, we don't represent a political view in terms of Israel. Um, we don't represent the Israeli government of the day. Um, we're completely independent and we represent our membership. Our belief is that, um, that we believe that, there, there's a, that the Jews have the right to self-determination in our historical and religious um, homeland, which is obviously Israel. So we, we don't hold a political viewpoint. So um, that said, as I said, most, most people believe in a two-state solution for two people, and, and we would advocate primarily on that stance, as I said, and this government also advocates for that. However, we share many differences with the government as well. Um, so this government, in particular, as it since it's been on the United Nations Security Council, has been really trying to push for um, a forced resolution or a forced um, peace process to start from the Security Council. My personal view is that that's the wrong way to go. I think that that rewards the intransigence of the Palestinian leadership. They know that if they do absolutely nothing and carry on with what they're doing, which a lot of the time is encouraging perpetuating the violence that they'll be rewarded by forcing Israel to to um, go into enter negotiations with preconditions many of the texts that you see coming out of the United Nations Security Council that are looking towards um, starting res uh, a peace process there's lots and lots of um, demands on Israel and there are hardly any demands on the Palestinians if any at all our comment to that would be, and to the government would be, that's fine. If you want to put these demands on Israel, you also then have to put unequal and relative demands on the Palestinians. It can't be one side gives all um, and stuff. But both sides need to want to come to the table. And it's my belief at the moment, in the current circumstances, that the Palestinian leadership, and I differentiate between the leadership and the Palestinian people, mm. but I do not believe that the Palestinian leadership really, really want to enter into negotiations with Israel. I do not do believe you, they want peace. Do you believe that the Israeli leadership wants a two-state solution at the moment? I think the Israeli leadership 
um, from the, you know, both the Likud and, and the Labour Party. I think that the centre leadership, again, as I said before, they you have your extremes, but they are extremes and they are minority groups. But I honestly believe that that the the majority of the Israeli population and the leaders do feel a two-state solution is is the right way to go. For some people, it's you know, for all of us, it's it's it is difficult because, um, you know, even with with places like Hebron and and Jericho and um, and other places in 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 the West Bank and Bethel, you know, there are strong Jewish connections to the, to those places. It's not coincidence, you know, that the Jewish people have gone there. Um, so to pull back from those is is painful. It's yeah, not I mean, going to be easy, but I do believe that most people in Israel and, and the government do want a two-state solution. Your question was, do they want it now? Um, the, the leader of the Labour Party, the opposition, who traditionally have been very, very for, um, for, for, you know, doing anything you can try and do to, to get peace um, with the Palestinians, even they are now saying that with the current rise of ISIS and what's going on in Syria, what we've seen happen when, when Israel withdrew from Gaza, that at, as things stand in 2016, um, it, it would be very, very difficult to, to enter into a final status negotiations now because what's going on there is so uncertain and, and ultimately, you know, if it's, you know, Israel's, what, it's, it's not reasonable to expect Israel to do something that will have a big potential of seeing its destruction. Why, why would it and why would any country? So if at the moment, you know, there, there's a just, I think there's a justifiable claim to say, yes, we do want peace and we do want a two-state solution, but with everything that's going on in the Middle East, you know, it's it's difficult to see how that can play out, and our experiences in Gaza and with with Hamas um, make people very, very, very nervous. So we have we have sort of um, obviously Jordan to the east of West Bank, yeah, and we have Lebanon to the north, and we have a little bit of Syria, Syria Golan Heights, etc. Yeah, is the fear that I mean this. Is the fear that the Syrian civil war will spill into Lebanon, which could directly fire into uh, Israel? Is it that Jordan will somehow, like, how, in terms of the regional, just moving away a little yeah. bit from this stuff, because, but in terms of the regional instability of, of the Middle East at the moment, how would that directly affect um, the sort of the two state solution regarding sort of uh, Palestine? I think the I think the instability makes people very nervous, and you know, ultimately, um, as I said, you you know, to expect Israel to do something that would ultimately be suicidal would be unreasonable, and I think what we've seen is that all of those scenarios you have just mentioned are, are possibilities. We've seen examples of ISIS in in the Sinai Peninsula um, attacking. Um, Egyptian soldiers. We we saw examples of when, when the Muslim Brotherhood um, overthrew the Mubarak government, and when they were in power in Egypt, we saw examples of, of lots of um, munitions being smuggled into Gaza for for attacks on Israel. Um, there's stuff going on in, in Lebanon the whole time. 
and you know and look if there was ever a situation for example in the with Syria that Bashar al-Assad really thought this is it I'm about to be you know overthrown and, and we all know what that would mean for him personally mm. um, would he attack Israel to try and unify people with him but I guess but who I, knows I, I guess knows? I mean those Israel these... would always be thinking about that and yeah. always be considering that as an option whether it would happen is another question but they'd always be looking and saying, you know, is this a scenario that is that is, has a reality in playing out? What would then a a regional um, a regional situation look like where Israel might be sort of keen to engage in, in a two state solution? What what would it look like in terms of, you know, um, Syria, Lebanon, Jordan, and Egypt? What and and even like more widely than that? So look, I. I, I, I don't know fully. Um, yeah. it's, a, it's a really hard question to answer because who knows what's going to, how the future is going to pan out. What I will say is that when I was living in Israel, and you know that the peace treaty with Egypt was you know already fifteen years old or so, um, a peace treaty had just been signed with Jordan. The Oslo Accords were were being discussed and signed and stuff, and there was a real good feeling that that something could could really happen. And there was a really good climate at the time, um, and, and there was a good feel factor. I think with, you know, the, the question is really, I suppose, what is going to happen with Syria? Because if if the current regime, and, and I'm not at all supportive of the current regime there, but let's if play the scenario happen. that yeah. they were overthrown and you have a caliphate or ISIS um in Syria, on on the border of Israel, well, you know that 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 promotes a real risk for Israel. And, and and the other problem is, you know, we saw in Gaza when when Israel withdrew unilaterally, and we had Fatah, so the, the um, Mahmoud Abbas and, and Arafat's group in ruling, and, and a few years later we saw them being that the coup and being overthrown by Hamas, um, and then we have again this jihadist movement who who are controlling Gaza. The risk and the fear would be that if if there was a Palestinian state created tomorrow, let's say for example, yeah. um, in in the West Bank, how long would a bus last? How long would Fatah be able to keep control? And if there was a coup, and we saw another situation that, that we have in Gaza, you know, actually, what does that mean for Israel and and, and stuff? So it's very difficult to know, looking at what's happening at the moment, when there's going to be stability again in, in that region um, that would give, I think, Israelis the confidence to say, if we have peace with the Palestinians tomorrow, which is ideally what we want, is that going to... Is our, you know, uh, is there security? Uh, is there security? Yeah. yeah. You know, are we going to be able to have peace with, with true security and true peace? Or, or is it just going to be an opportunity for another jihadist regime to come in and, and attack Israel. I mean, the, the question that's been posed like multiple times is that if Israeli is engaging in what could be considered, I don't know, um, not productive activities, i.e. settlements, doesn't that also lead to a, like a, a sense of instability within West Bank itself? And how does that whole thing? How does how does Israel yeah. resolve that issue? So you know, I think the settlements are a little bit of a red herring. Right. I'm not saying that they um, they clearly need to be 
an issue that needs to be resolved with, without a doubt and, and, and agreements on both sides. Why do I say they're a bit of a red herring? Because both in terms of Israel leaving Egypt or the Sinai Peninsula and when it left Gaza, it, it painfully withdrew from the settlements and had soldiers go in and, and it withdrew from all the settlements, it withdrew its whole presence there. Um, under both peace agreements that Israel offered um, the Palestinian Authority in 2005 with um, Arafat still around and then later in 2008 when Ahmed offered um, a peace deal to, to Mahmoud Abbas the issues of the settlements were, were on the table and, and so most people know and most people who have looked at, at, at what's gone on recognise that firstly the settlements only constitute about 2% of the West Bank so it's not a huge, huge area and out of that 2% and I don't have the figure but the majority are around Jerusalem and would be actually incorporated into a final settlement agreement with land swaps so, that, so there was you know, equality there. Those who settlements that would remain in what would become Palestine, I have no doubt that Israel and Israel has, has already said this would, in the in the peace in the peace offers given by Omar and and by Baraka and um, Ehud Barak, they they have you know they agreed that the settlements would be um, disbanded in in those that that would remain in there. So I don't think the settlements is a, is, a, is the make or break that everyone believes they are. Um, you know, there's also a lot of accusation that settlements keep growing and growing, and whilst they are growing in terms of natural growth, they're not growing in terms of land space. They haven't actually grown in terms of geographical space for around 10, 15 years. So there hasn't been a, a big as growth as, as as everyone sort of makes out. Um, the problem question I have, and, and I would throw back to anyone who is serious about peace and, 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 a, and an equal peace is that if, if the Palestinians accept that, you know, I accept for example that there are Palestinian people living in Israel and I'm not going to go back into the big history but, but have, you know, have, have been there a significant period of time um, whether, you know, there's arguments you know, when they were Palestinians and all, but whatever, that's, that's the group that identify that they have a claim, they have a legitimate claim to, to the area. I don't think they necessarily will um, acknowledge the Jewish claim as on, on the other side. Um, and so what you'll have is a situation, which I think I think is intolerable and I don't think is, is, is correct, that you'll have the Palestinians saying, that these communities, these settlements, they have to be evacuated. In my view, what should be ha what should be said is that a Palestinian create state is going to be created in in this agreed area. The settlements that are there, the people who are living there, will be given the opportunity to stay there if they want and be offered Palestinian citizenship because they'll be living in Palestine. Right. The the fact is, almost all of them, if not all of them, would leave but actually give people the opportunity to stay there. So it'd be like saying, for example, that we are going to create a Maori state in north of the bridge, yeah. right? And then saying that anyone who's not Maori has to leave because you're not welcome. I don't think that would be tolerated. Right. And so I, I, have, a, I have a problem with 
any agreement that doesn't give the people who are living there, whether they be Jew, Christian or Muslim, the opportunity to stay under Palestinian citizenship. Are you saying that the... Are you saying that the... Um, I'm not actually, I haven't looked into this much, but the uh, Palestinian um, leadership is saying that under any agreement were West Bank, let's just say West Bank, yeah. ours is another story, to be given um, a, a, a statehood, then the, the settlers and the yeah. settlements would have to go back to, back to Israel. Yes, absolutely. That's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, the reality is yeah. most of them would, because most of them would not want to live under Palestinian rule. Yeah. Okay. For, for various reasons. But in my view, they should be given the opportunity. Just as anyone who, you know, just as Arab, Jew, Muslim, Christian, who lives in Israel at the moment has, has been offered citizenship and, and, and was after 47 or 48, um, so should be the case there. I, I have a. I have. It doesn't sit comfortably with me thinking that there's an area that has a huge historical and Jewish connection. We have a, to, to certain areas that will basically become Jew-free, user-free. I mean, uh, yeah, that's cool. I mean, if say, for example, they were to say, all right, these settlements have got to be sort of, you guys can't live here anymore. Is that a small, you don't believe that would be a small sacrifice to make for the greater good of creating a two-state solution at all? Um, look, if, if I felt, if I felt that, I think most people would feel that as was the case when we left Gaza and we left the Sinai Peninsula, if that was the condition of there being a true, long-standing peace, yes, absolutely, it's a sacrifice worth taking. Mm. Um, that doesn't mean that it's something I would necessarily feel comfortable with, um, and I would have, you know, um, philosophical issues with. But, yes, for the sake of peace and true peace, um, I think that that's something that, that you know, we would, or, or not we, that people would tolerate um, and, and acknowledge, but it would be painful. I mean, it's compromise, isn't it? This is compromise after compromise after compromise, it, it, right? It is compromise, yeah. um, you know, but it is a compromise. But I'm not saying they should stay there under... Israeli citizenship. Yeah, I'm saying they should be offered Palestinian citizenship. Yeah, if that was the the. the... I've been to I've been to Israel and I've been to Palestine. Yeah. Um, I, no, jam a little bit in the West Bank. I, bar the settlements, are there other Jewish people living in in West Bank? I don't think so. I I, I don't know for sure. Um, yeah. Possibly. I, I think that. Um, I think that tensions are probably, you know, over over certain periods of time, tensions have probably got so high that, um, you know, there's probably a safety factor um, that people probably wouldn't feel safe not living in the settlements. Because um, they're quite heavily guarded, aren't they? There's um, quite heavy, heavy, heavy amounts of security, is that...? Uh, it depends on, on where the settlement is. Right. So somewhere like Malay Adamim, which is considered a settlement, um, by the international community, 
which is literally outside, you know, it's like Browns Bay is to the CBD. I mean, it's part of, it's next to Jerusalem in a sense. Um, that's like a town. So there's not really, yeah, it's right. not heavily guarded. If you go further into the West Bank and you go to places like Betel and um, and and uh, Kiryat Arba, which is in Hebron, yeah, they are quite heavily guarded and stuff. Right. So it does depend. Just moving on a little bit because yeah. we're kind of running out of time. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, just about Zionism in general. Sure. Um, is Zionism primarily a religious cause, a secular cause, a nationalistic cause, or something else, or a mixture of all of the above? Um, I think it's, I think it's a, um, it's a mixture of above, of all of the above. Sorry, um, you know it. It certainly has a religious element to it. And why do I say that? So. Um, in the early Zionist Congress, um, the World Zionist Congress were offered Uganda as a as an opportunity to create a Jewish homeland, and the World Zionist Congress at the time turned that down. Why did they turn that down? Now, obviously, they didn't, didn't know what was going to happen with the Holocaust. Maybe if they'd known that, they would have accepted it. But but no one had the foresight. Um, but they turned it down because actually, Uganda or any other country has no meaning, intrinsic meaning to Jewish people. So as I go back, we have this historical and religious connection to, to the land, and, and obviously there is that religious element to it. But Zionism is not just about, about religion. Um, there are many, 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 many secular people who I know, and, and atheist Jews I know, who their, their view on religion and the way they lead their life, they still have a very strong Jewish identity, and they still have a very strong affiliation and connection to Israel and to Zionism. So I don't believe it's exclusively one or the other. Um, I, I think it, it, it's, it's a mixture, but, but certainly the, the connection to the land comes from you know, the, the religious text. What I would say, though, is even when in the religious text, you know, the, the Jews are not referred to as, as Jews. They're referred to as B'nai Yisrael, which literally means the children of Israel. Which, and then people outside of that are referred to as the, as, as the other nations. So even in, in, in the Old Testament, in the biblical text, the Jewish people are seen as a nation of people. And it's not, although we have laws and, and etc., um, you know, it, it's seen as a group of, of, of as I say, as a nation, the, the children of Israel, rather than the, the religious the religious context. Right. But, but, but it, obviously, I mean, there's a whole bunch of different things there as well. Yeah. 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 You've said that Jews are pluralistic and hold many different um, views. Yep. You've stated that Jews, um, such as known Noam Chomsky on Zionism, by, and he's sort of anti-Zionism. Um, by and large, do you believe that people <laughs> like Noam Chomsky have a positive or negative effect on the Israeli Zionist cause? Look, I think, firstly, I, I guess my, my initial thoughts are, you know, Noam Chomsky or, or is entitled to his views as, as, as anyone is um, and, and I don't have a problem with his views as long as at the end of the day you know I would say with someone who holds a similar view to Noam Chomsky be Jewish or non-Jewish that's fine um, but it's it's really should be about trying to create dialogue and discussion um, and stuff so and, and, and in a respectful manner do I believe he harms Judaism or, or Zionism rather um, not, not really. I think what people such as Noam Chomsky 
do do inadvertently, and this is I don't believe this is their what they're trying to do, um, but they give opportunities for anti-Zionists to say we're not anti-Jewish because we support someone like Noam Chomsky, and so it's very easy. It's a similar sort of argument, you know. I'm not anti-gay, or I'm not homophobic, or I'm not, you know, because I have some of my best friends are gay, or I'm not, um, you know, racist. Some of my best friends are black, and 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 I think that. Um, what people such as Chomsky inadvertently do is is they allow um, people to sort of propagate that that sort of view. But I don't have a problem with his view. That's his view, and and you know it, it it's about creating discussion. You know, on, on the whole, I think um, there is there can be legitimate criticism of both Zionism, and there can be legitimate criticism. Of, of the government of Israel. Without being anti-Semitic? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So where I think it becomes anti-Semitism yeah. is when... Um, so there's a guy called Natan Sharansky who was... Um, he was a, called a refusenik. He, he, he comes from Russia and he, was, he wanted to leave Russia and he was imprisoned in Siberia for, for many, many years and he became a politician in Israel eventually. Um, he was like a figurehead of the, the Russian refusenik movement. So he, he's come up with what he calls the 3D criteria. So that, so, and this is around what he classifies, and I think it's a good way of looking at of anti-Semitism. Yeah. And that's when criticism of Israel or Zionism um, has double standards, when it delegitimizes the right of the Jewish people to live in Israel, and when it demonizes Israel. So if it ticks one of those three boxes... Then, then I think it's bordering on anti-Semitism. Okay. Okay. Um, there was also. That's right. That's quite. Yeah. yeah so there's also a, a, something that um, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, what I came across yesterday, um, who who was talking on this this very very subject, and and he he, you know, he's quoted as as saying that. Um, um, well, the quote is, talks about left-wing and stuff, but it says, many on the left argue they are being wrongly accused, and that's wrongly accused of being anti-Semitic, um, but they're not against Jews. They say they're only opposed to policy of the State of Israel. Here one must state the obvious. Criticism of the Israeli government is not anti-Semitic, nor is the BDS movement inherently anti-Semitic. Many of its supporters, however, have a, have a genuine concern for human rights, um, and it's through that that that's become the new front for anti-Semitism. So what right. does he mean by that? Yeah, yeah. That, that that is now being used as a way of of um, expressing anti-Semitic um, thoughts and, okay. and, and accusations, but but as I say, that Sharansky sort of criteria of, of double standards, demonization, and delegitimization. I think if it has one of those elements in it, then then you have to really ask: Is it legitimate criticism of the Israeli government, or? Is it anti-Semitism? Well, suppose we remove the Jewish component of Israel and how... I mean, I know that's kind of like... doesn't really work, but, you know, in a, in a, in a sort of like a, as a thought experiment. If we were to say, okay, um, Israel is a completely secular state with no particular um, aligning with any particular um, religion or cultural background or whatever, mm -hmm. and we just look at the policies that the Israeli government implements, would that somehow be deemed as sort of like anti the actual people or the, the culture of the, of the, 
of the country or would that just be sort of criticism of the actual government? I, would it bleed down through the, like, the criticism to the actual people and therefore become what would be, in essence, racist or, or what have you? As I say, I think if, um, if the government, for example, um, passed a law that was inherently racist against the Arab, Israeli Arab population, yeah. Um, then I would say that criticising that would be legitimate, um, and or if if you know there was another law, it, it you know other policies that it, it propagates. So, for example, if we ever got to a stage where there was a government, and, and I don't believe this would ever happen, but let's let's for argument's sake, we have a government who um, who um, advocated the false removal of all Arabs from Israel. Okay? I would absolutely be against that, and I would absolutely say that criticism against that policy, if that was the case, um, would be completely legitimate. Okay? Where it, as I say, where it becomes difficult is when we have um, demonstrations in Queen Street or when Israeli speakers are here and we have people saying, demonstrating, saying um, from the Jordan to the sea, what they mean is from the River Jordan to the Mediterranean Sea, Palestine will be free. What does that mean? That means that there is absolutely no place for Jewish presence and a Jewish state in, in that land um, or any part of that land. And for me, that is anti-Semitism. That's where we start bordering on the difference. Yep, criticise state of Israel in terms of the government, particular policies, but when you start criticising and denouncing Jewish rights to live in Israel um, and, and for a Jewish homeland, then I'm sorry, that's, that's so, I mean, that's, that's really interesting because, I mean, I, just, that's really interesting because we, I had, um, as a, when I first spoke to you, I said, mm. I really want to grab somebody from the other side of this because I had um, a woman on the show mm -hmm. who was... Um, part of Kira Gaza mm -hmm. and I was like okay she's saying these things and I was like I want to hear what you've got to say and it almost from what you've just said it almost sounds like there's kind of we're not actually talking about the same thing because what you're talking about is inherent Israel is inherently Jewish and that's kind of like and so because you to on a level you if you criticize Israel by sort of proxy you end up is like um criticizing Jewishness on of some level. Whereas when I talk to her about it, she's saying, okay, well, actually, I'm not, I've got nothing, the Jewish thing isn't even a problem, but I will be, I am criticizing the Israeli government for the for the policies that they have. Does that make sense? Or is that, am I maybe just like looking into this a little bit too, too heavily? No, look, um, if you take... Um, I, I, it's 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 complex. It's really it's, complex. It's, it's complex because you, we, but yeah. you know the, the 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 long and short of it is that my question would be to to anyone from Kira Gaza who takes that stance is you know do you accept there's an equal that the Jewish people have an equal claim to self determination and self governing and self um, and liberation, or whatever you want to call it, in, in that part of the land. 
Now, I'm not saying all of the land, but in, in part of that land. Yeah. In the same way that you recognise that the Palestinians also have a claim to the land. I think most Jewish people would acknowledge um, that even if they didn't necessarily acknowledge that there's a historical Palestinian claim, but I think most would, would acknowledge that there's something. Most people would, Jewish people would acknowledge that, um, that you know, a false transfer or, or a state of Jordan becoming Palestine or people going to live there is unrealistic. It's not going to happen um, and, and wouldn't even necessarily um, advocate for, for that stance. So, so most Jewish people I know would say, yep, we understand that the status quo can't continue forever and you know being moralistic and and looking at a solution that is 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 um beneficial and acceptable to both parties that we we acknowledge that we have to give up some of the land that was promised to to the jewish people under the balfour declaration and beforehand um and the san remo conference um and you know we, we we are prepared to do that for peace because it's not right, you know, ruling another nation. I don't think Israel really wants to rule another nation um, and stuff. I don't think many. And I was at the Justice for Palestine meeting on Sunday, and the other side do not accept that. So if I'd be happy to sit down and have a debate, and you know would. would Respect some. Can we do that at some point? That'd be lovely. <laughs> if you want to, um, you know. In all honesty, you know, I I I don't hear from um, from many of the. I don't even like to say pro-Palestinian because, to be honest with you, I think that it's not about pro-Palestinian or anti-Palestinian. I'm not anti-Palestinian in any shape or form, but I'm very very pro-Israel. Okay, um, being pro-Israel does not mean that you are anti-Palestinian. Anti -Palestinian. Yep. What I see from the pro-Palestinian movement, for one of you know, what they call themselves, is actually it's not really about being pro-Palestinian. It is about being anti-Israel. So when we see things that are going on in Syria with ISIS and and the the Palestinians um, in in the refugee camps that were, you know, massacred by ISIS, there were no demonstrations in in Queen Street, um, uh, you know, crying out about what was happening to the Palestinians then. And when we see other things that are going on to Palestinians in Lebanon, we don't see demonstrations. Um, we only see demonstrations in favour of Palestinians when it's against Israel. And so my problem is that I think a lot of the pro-Palestinian movement actually isn't pro-Palestinian, it's actually anti-Israel. And most of them, not your average you know, person who might sort of not really take a day, look into it but but you know even yesterday even at this justice for palestine conference most people were advocating a one-state solution and why because they know that that means there would not be a jewish presence in israel they know that means that's the end of a jewish state and i i can't i can't accept that position yeah that's interesting eh? there's a whole bunch of stuff going on here I think um, a lot of people who try to advocate or, or, or try and get another narrative across, and, and we see this globally, is that whenever, um, whenever we try and have a discussion, um, 
often we get shouted down, often we get verbally abused, um, and there, there creates a, a, a big feeling around of hostility and, and, and uh, an issue around safety. And, and um, you know, people get concerned. Like, for example, again, at the Justice for Palestine conference, you know, not many people of the Jewish community were going to go there. Why? Because who would want to go into a, an environment where um, you feel you, you yeah. feel you, you yeah. know intimidated yeah. and and um, people aren't willing to engage in discussion? I absolutely agree with you. Whether it be about Israel Palestine, whether it even be about just Jewish Muslim relationships, mm. you know, there has to be dialogue, and and I would would promote dialogue. And there are groups out there that are promoting dialogue. I mean, there's for example, there's Facebook pages you know, Jews and Arabs together promote, trying to promote dialogue. Um, but unfortunately, the, the extreme elements, um, which I think Kira Gaza are, I'm not saying everyone who's a member of Kira Gaza is extreme, but I think the leadership is and the, and, and the strong advocates, they don't really want dialogue. That's interesting, yeah, because yeah. I think you've just answered basically all of my questions below. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. It just it, sometimes it seems that there's maybe we're talking about different things here. That, I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll come back and maybe do like a postscript on this one because there's some interesting stuff here, and we're going to call it quits because we've been going for no, way too long now. That's fair enough. Do you have one sort of last message that you would sort of give to the New Zealand public about your your cause and what you stand for? Yeah. Look, I, I think um, if I was going to sum up, and it might be more than just one message. But, Go for but it. it. It would be, you know, firstly, and it's not just related to Israel and stuff, but, you know, just don't, I know people hear it the whole time, but don't believe everything you see and read in the press um, or, or you see on the media and stuff. Um, it's, it's not a true reflection of, of, of what goes on in Israel. Um, and, it, you know, in terms of Zionism, you know, as I say, President of the Zionist Federation, and I see Zionism as a, as a positive movement i think it, it it is a just cause despite of the current narrative that it, that is out there um i think that that zionism has always tried to seek peace with its neighbors it offers equality to its citizens um it doesn't get everything right but those things it does but when it does get things wrong it's it's i, I think most of the time it's still trying to do it from a from a good place and ultimately you know we want peace we we, we don't want to live in the current situation, we do want peace. We we do acknowledge um, the Palestinian rights, and we we you know we do we do want there to be peace. However, that has to be under a guaranteed security. To expect Israel or Zionist Zionism to accept a peace process or a peace deal that ultimately signs away um, the state of Israel is unreasonable. But as I say, my my concluding thoughts would be. You know, don't believe everything you see, and, and Zionism is a just cause, and it, and it is a fair and equal one, and it does promote equality. Thank you so much, Rob, for coming and um, and spending your That's Tuesday right. evening in our very humble abode. That's but, okay. um, yeah, no, I'll tell you what, I will be in touch, because I'm sure we'll get some really interesting feedback I'm on sure this. I'm sure you will, I'm sure you will. Um, but, yeah that's all for us um, we've got some more shows next week and the week after that and they're all going to be some good ones but um but before I go yes. I listened to your show with the, the woman from Kira Garza and you yeah. said that you always end the show on having to choose a song oh I do yeah I do I do so, but uh, 
okay, choose a song, but I'm probably not going to throw it in there. Okay, what I'll right. do is, okay, here, this is suggested listening because what I've, I've, I was going to move it over to YouTube. Right, okay. And But, like, YouTube has obviously some um, Law, copyright yeah, laws yeah, or whatever. Yeah, okay. But here's suggested listening from Rob. So, if I was going to choose a song, I could have chosen so many, um, but I, I've tried to choose one I think is poignant to the subject, and that's Brothers in Arms by Dire Straits. That's a good song. Okay, normally I'd be like, okay guys, here's <laughs> Brothers in Arms, but you should go, no, on no, to, that's fine. go on to YouTube and have a listen to it after this invigorating conversation and I don't know I'm sure we'll see Rob again because that's that's fascinating conversation but anyway um, thanks guys for listening and here's Brothers in Arms